right, well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to the fourth week of our series entitled, You'll Get Through This. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us live, our Baton Rouge campus, Gulf Coast, those in Metairie, so excited to have you guys. And of course, each week on online and Facebook Live, we are in actually a seven-part series teaching through the book of Philippians. I want to give you just a little backdrop. By the way, I do a book of the Bible twice a year, always in the fall uh, and always in the spring. I often will do one in the summer as well. I did the book of Jonah, uh, Jonah, I think, two summers ago. So uh, I like teaching through books of the Bible different times of the year. The Bible is divided into two major parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The beginning of the New Testament There are four books we call the Gospels. Everybody say Gospel. By the way, that's the good news, right? That's what actually the Gospel means, all right? So it's the four Gospels really recording the life of Jesus, uh, his teaching while he was on the earth walking uh, with his disciples. Right after uh, the book of John is the book of Acts. Book of Acts is the first 30 years of the church. So it's kind of a historical narrative of the incipient beginnings Uh, of the Christian church. Interestingly enough, right after that becomes what's called the letters. We call them books, you know, the book of Romans, or for instance, the uh, book of Philippians. Philippians is actually not a book. It's a what? Say it, a good. You guys have been listening the last four weeks. It is actually a letter. When was it written? It was written in 60 AD by who? The apostle Paul. He was, by the way, where was he when he wrote that? He was in where, say it, jail. Four letters that were written, the first prison epistles, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and Ephesians. Paul was in jail multiple times throughout his ministry. So it was in this first, what's called imprisonment, that he sat down and he wrote to the church at Philippi a letter. Not a book, but a letter. We call it a book, it's a letter. 60 AD. He had founded the church of Philippi in 50 AD. Why did he write it? He wrote it for three reasons. Number one, to encourage the church, to keep them in the faith, to keep them strong in God. Number two, to thank them for their missionary gifts towards his apostolic ministry. Number three, to defend his good friend Epaphroditus, who, by the way, was bringing uh, uh, messages and brought an offering to Paul. He got sick when he was in, at, at visiting Paul, and he wanted to defend, hey, this guy didn't AWOL, you guys. He's coming back, all right? So having said that, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Today, I want to talk to you about Paul's understanding of what it means to live a focused life. What does it truly mean to live a focused life? Of course, we understand the benefits of focus. Matter of fact, if you went in any bookstore in America and you went through maybe the business section and you would see so many books that are the power of a focused life and the benefits of harnessing focus in your life. Another word is maybe intentionality. What the, the benefits of living an intentionally focused life. Also with the, maybe in the sports section, a lot of coaching, right? You, you'll, you'll see the power of focus and the benefits attached to focus. We all know uh, that it doesn't pay off to be distracted. The problem is, is that all of us, all of us have a challenge with focus at times. Why? Because of the distractions that things come. For example, this is the last, we're just entering in uh, this week to the last quarter of the year. 
One of the things that we do at Church of the King in the beginning of the year, we fast and pray. And, and so, you know, often do a Daniel fast, different things, just different things we'll do. And so you're getting your body, here it is, you're getting your body focused, you're getting your, your spiritual life focused on God, you're getting your mind focused on God, you're clearing out things, your, 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 your body, physical, spiritual, emotional, all that, right? So, so the problem is sometimes Mardi Gras is a little bit earlier, and so somebody brings in the office during a Daniel fast a king cake. How many know that can be a distraction? Come on, are y'all with me? Of course, you're fast. You're like, man, I'm not going to do that, you know? And so you just walk by, you just walk by, and then you just take one piece because the blood of Christ forgives. But anyway, so you just, you take one. How many of you know after the first piece, if you're on a Daniel fast, you eat king cake. How many of you know after the first piece, it's real easy to go for number two? Everybody say distraction. Fact is, is that we live in a distracted culture. All of us struggle at times with distraction. You're in a heart-to-heart conversation with somebody, man, they're pouring out their heart. And I don't know, maybe you're at a restaurant or coffee shop and you've been really wanting to connect and man they're going for it matter of fact you didn't know this but they were going through a hard time in their life and so I mean they are pouring it on I mean they're just they're just pouring it on and 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 all of a sudden all of a sudden everything changes and the reason why is not because Jesus returns it's because you get a text and you go oh time out I know you're pouring out your heart can you just hold on one second I this is just, please, I'm going to be right back. This is really important. This, I, can, I, can I just, by the way, did you know it is a psychologically proven fact that when you get a text message, all right, it actually causes an adrenaline drip in your body that gives you a sense of importance. In other words, I got a text. Somebody needs me. I'm important. So in other words, we can get distracted by the blessing of technology, it can also become a curse if we don't keep it in proper perspective. See, Paul the apostle understood distraction. Why? Because he, he, was, he was buffeted by so many circumstances. We can get distracted sometimes by big things, sometimes by very small things. Why were you like, oh man, I was upset, I got a parking ticket. Man, it was just horrible, man. I just like, you know, or, or, or it, can be, it can be a bigger thing. Well, Paul the Apostle, if you kind of lined up, you know, this is a 10, this is like a big thing, a 9. He had so many in the upper range. So many. All right, you guys have heard me for years talk about this. I'm going to actually show you the scripture today. You guys have heard me say this before, that Paul the Apostle was the original Terminator, right? Those of you that have seen the original ones, I know they, I don't know how many they have now, but right, Arnold Schwarzenegger initially, you know, you just, you just, you couldn't kill the guy. Okay, that was the Apostle Paul. Let me give you the scripture where I base that off of. Talk about somebody that could have had serious distractions that could have broken his focus. Here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. We're talking today about the power of, of living a focused life. Now, we're going to get into Philippians, but we're talking all as well about the distractions that often come in our lives, sometimes big, sometimes small. Look at these big potential distractions for Saul. Paul, his name became. Here it is. From the Jews. You guys may not know this. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Does anybody remember who got 39 stripes from the Jews before. Does anybody remember his name? Anybody say it out loud? 
Jesus five times. That's not an issue of comparison. I'm just telling you, this guy had major stuff he dealt with. Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's a lot. All right, next verse. We're talking about somebody that could have been distracted, all right, and gotten off a course. Three times I was beaten with rods. I guess the first time it was just whips. Yeah, they also went to rods. Now, we don't know exactly how many times, but it was, I mean, this is just major thing. Once I was stoned. Yeah, you used to be like me before we got saved. But anyway, so <laughs> this was pre that for Paul. I don't know what he did, but don't la laugh like y'all are so stinking holy, the rest of y'all. But anyway, so three times, three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day in the deep. Listen, let me just tell you what Paul did not do. He didn't go to Bass Pro and have a super quick inflatable life preserver just in case you go overboard. I don't know how the guy was, man, hanging out in the Mediterranean Sea or whatever sea it was, treading water, praying in the spirit. I don't know what he was doing, but I'm going to tell you something. That was scary. Five times he was whipped 39 times. So what is that? I don't know. That's a lot, right? Almost 200. I mean, that's a lot. of. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was, he was stone left for dead and arose out of that and shipwrecked. Let me tell you, if there's anybody that could have had his focus broken, because of the distraction of circumstances. How often? How often do we, myself included, I put myself in that category. We hear from God. We have a focus. We're living intentional lives. Something happens. We, we, just, we just lose focus. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of focus taken right out of Philippians chapter 3. And I want to look at three things that are so critical that I think it's important for us to employ and to have part of our lives to help us maintain focus. Philippians chapter 3. All right, here we go. Philippians chapter 3. I want to begin, uh, and what I do each week is I'll read some scripture and then I'll extract some principles. Number one, I want to talk to you about three keys to living a focused life. Number one, Paul says this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Though... I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. Now, he begins to give his pedigree. He begins to give his, his in, in essence, kind of his lineage, what he's accomplished, what he's achieved. All right, here it is. You guys ready? Well, first of all, I'm circumcised the eighth day of the stock of, of Israel. I'm the tribe of Benjamin. You know, there's 12 tribes of Israel. Benjamin was like top shelf stuff, all right? He goes, guys, I'll just be honest. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. In other words, the Benjaminites, listen, we were like kind of on the top. Maybe Judah was there, but really, we were really on top. So, so first of all, let me just say this, all right? I was part of the right family, and I was on top. Now, let me continue, guys. I'm also a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, I didn't just learn the law. In other words, I didn't just go through a little bar mitzvah when I was 13. I actually was a teacher of the law. So I was from the right tribe. I went to the right schools. I was actually a teacher of the law. I didn't just learn the law. I, 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 I was a communicator of the law. Okay, so I'm giving my accomplishments professionally. I'm giving you my personal pedigree, and I'm giving my professional pedigree, right? Watch where he goes. Verse 6, he goes, concerning zeal, let's talk about zealousness. Because the way in which, you know, my tribe, you got extra credit if you're zealous, Let's talk about it. Concerning zeal, well, I was persecuting the church. By the way, you guys learned that last week. 
Acts chapter 9, Paul's on the road. His name was Saul prior to his conversion. He's on the road to Damascus, which is in Syria today. There's still a city called Damascus. He's got letters in his hand to put more Christians in jail. He said, let me just tell you something. You, you, let me just tell you something. I was, I was real good at that. I was real good. Concerning righteousness, oh, in the law, blameless. In other words, every jot, every tittle. In other words, I crossed my T's, I dotted my I's. See, my evaluation in life as a Jewish person at the time, here it is. I was attempting to do more good than other people's bad because if I did more good than my bad, particularly if I did more good than their bad, then I would be right. Boy, how we often get caught in comparison. Paul says, let me tell you something. I hit the ball out the park. I didn't just get on base. I was consistently hitting home runs. My family, my education, my professional accomplishments. I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't a single. It wasn't a double. It was like grand slam, grand slam, grand slam. Now, contrasting all of that, look what he says. Look at verse 7. But what things were gained to me? Oh, there was a lot of gain there. I had a lot of accolades. I had a lot of attaboys and you're the man. I had a lot of that, guys. But what things were gained to me, these things I've counted, well, I've counted them all loss for Christ. Paul, are you serious? Look at verse 8. Verse 8, yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. Some of your Bibles say dung. I count them as rubbish, garbage. Why? That I may gain Christ. Now stay with me. We're talking about today the power of focus. Why do we often lose focus? I'm going to give you three things right out of these texts. Look at verse 9. And be found in Christ not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So in other words, it's not about my performance. It's not about what I can achieve. It's about whether I've received, that I may know him, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Number one, I think the, one of the main reasons why all of us one of the main reasons why we struggle so often with living a focused life is because we've not put first things first. In other words, we've got secondary issues that have crept their way into a primary spot. Pastor, what are you talking about? What I'm specifically talking about is the Bible is very clear in Matthew chapter 6. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. How often do we put God second? How often is God last resort? How often is God our life preserver? Oh, we tried everything else. Why is it that we often get distracted? Could it be, listen, could it be that we've got our eyes in other places rather than up? Could it be rather than going to Christ and rather than having God number one, he's number two in our life or number three or number four, or maybe he's not even in the house as related to your life. Paul said, listen, I've accomplished everything. I tell you one of the saddest things in the world, you, you guys have heard the story before, the guy, he's got the ladder and he's climbing up this ladder and he leans it up against this wall and it's this huge ladder. You guys know those real big ones and he's climbing up that ladder and he gets all the way to the top and he looks around and he, he accomplished it only to find that he had that ladder 
leaning against the wrong wall. That, that's the life without God. Great accomplishment, maybe, and that's where maybe some, and I say this respectfully, maybe some of you are there. You, you've got great professional accomplishments. You've got a great attainment. Maybe you've, you, you've accumulated wealth, or maybe there's great accolades, but, but my question is, just make sure when you get to the top, is it leaned against the correct wall? It's first things first. Yeah. Paul, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, he, he, he said, I, I, yet indeed I count all things. All things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our relationship with Christ. It gives us power. It gives us perspective. It gives us purpose. It's like the rudder on a boat. It's like the rudder. We, we have a lot of energy at times, a lot of enthusiasm. We want to do things. We want to accomplish things. But, 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 but it's not just a motor. It's not just the engine. It's the rudder. Because, because you guys ever been to the amusement parks where, 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 those, where, where you get a kid on there and the steering wheel goes like this and, and those, those, those boats like in the water it's, and they kind of go in circles. That, that's how a life without God really looks like. A lot of energy, a lot of stuff, but not focused on the right things. Everybody say first, things first. Question, is God first in your life? I'm asking you that. I'm asking every one of our campuses. I say it respectfully. Is Christ really number one? Seek ye first, not second, not third, not fourth, not after you've tried everything else. You know, I might as well try Jesus. Try it. No, no. Is he really first? Because when he's first, watch this, he brings, he brings perspective, he brings a sense of intentionality, he helps you say no to secondary issues and helps to keep him primary. It's not that second and third level concerns are not important, but they should never creep their way to primary importance. Yeah. Paul says, I count them all as loss, that I may gain Christ. Is your ladder on the correct wall. Number two, the second thing that I see here, uh, just straight from the scripture, is that, that Paul would say, not only do we need to put God first, not only do we need to keep him first, and by the way, that's for the unbeliever coming to Christ, but that's for the believer keeping God in that place in our lives. But number two, Paul would say there's also a second secret. There's a second secret to living a focused life, and it's found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Here, here's what he, said, he would say. Not that I've already attained or that I'm already perfected. He said, look, guys, I've not arrived. He said, look, man, I, I want to be real clear. I've not arrived at all. But I do press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of me. By the way, you guys have heard me say this before. I've said it many, many times. All right. Now, hopefully, if I've been your pastor for more than a year, you know this statement. All right. I've been saying this for 20 years. All right. Here it is. I'm not where I what? Say it. Want to be, but I'm not where I what? Say it. Used to be. That's a biblical concept of spiritual growth, sanctification. In other words, Paul said, look, I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. You guys have ever heard that before? You know, God loves you right where he found you? Absolutely. But I'd like to add a caveat, but he loves you too much to leave you there too. In other words, growth and progression is the way of the Lord. It's part of the kingdom of God. So he wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. So here's the point. Paul said, look, I'm not perfect at all, but I'm not where I used to be. I am pressing in. I am growing. I, uh, 
you know, I'll walk around in the forest sometimes afterwards, and I have to watch my voice these days but because I, I, it's not as strong as it used to be. But So I, I'll, I'll talk, and I love talking to different people between services. And this lady came up to one, t- one time, and she goes, Pastor, I just got to tell you something. I, I, just, I just love coming to this church. I said, well, thank you so much, you know. And she goes, and you just, you just, wow, you just really helped me. And I'm like, yes. And she goes, you know what I just love about you? Now, I'm thinking, again, maybe this is prideful, whatever. She goes, you know, it's your preaching, Pastor. You know, you're just theologically, just it's accurate, it's powerful. That's what I'm thinking, okay? Is that wrong for me to think that? I thought, you know, I've just lifted her and it's just helped her. And she goes, just, but it wasn't that. And I thought, okay, maybe it's, you know, I'm funny, you know, because I used to be a youth speaker. So I, you know, little, you know, medicine, you know, little, 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 little sugar makes the medicine go down. You know how that is, right? And so I, well, it wasn't that at all. She goes, you know what I just love about it? Just, you're just, you're just a mess. Just like us. And I said, God bless you. Really, you're a precious sister in the Lord. Praise God. Do you know that's my strategy, though? My strategy is to be as appropriately transparent as I can. Because I can't, I'm not perfect. Trust me. Nobody can relate to somebody that's perfect. There's only one that's perfect. His name's Jesus. I'm growing. I'm growing in God. You're growing in God. Remember, I'm paid to be a preacher, but let me tell you, but I'm a Christian first. And as a Christian, I've got to grow in Christ. I've got to grow in my character. And let me just say something. Paul said something. Paul said there's, a, there's, there's one thing above all else that you as a growing believer in Christ need to be very aware of because watch this. It can weight you down. He says, oh man, this thing... I know there's a lot on the table, but there's one big thing on the table. If you really want to live a focused life, because Paul's like, I I, I know a lot of people, they get real off course. Let me tell you why. You guys ready? Watch this. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but here it is. Here it is. But one thing, one thing, not two, one. This is how important this is. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forward to those which are ahead. You know, when I began to think about this, I thought to myself, do you know how hard it is to drive forward when you're looking in the rearview mirror? Do you know how hard it is? By the way, do you know how unsafe it is if you're just going like this the whole time and you're looking behind you? Wow. I began to think in my life, I began to think of when the enemy comes in and how often he'll begin to lie to us about what we aren't because of our past, what we did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine, Paul? He strolls into Jerusalem, remember? And uh, he comes to church, comes to Church of the King. Because he, and he gets in a small group because Pastor Danny says once a year, if you don't, you're not in a small group, you don't even go to heaven. But anyway, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm teasing, kind of. But anyway, I am playing. So it's January and we do the community series of Church of the King. So Paul's like, I want to be in a small group. So, you know, somebody calls him or he looks online and he's like, okay, I live here and there's three options. I like this group. So Paul comes up and 
Okay, this is the door. Knocks on the door. He goes, he goes what's your name? He goes, my name's, my name's Paul. Oh, Paul. Paul, where are you from? Well, I'm just kind of up the road a little bit, and I, I wanted to come to your small group. Really? Awesome. Yeah, well, come on and tell us a little bit about yourself. So what did you used to do? Well, I, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. Are you, are you the guy, time out, hold on, stay right here, I'm going to be back. Hey guys, hey guys, we got the murderer that killed Christians. I don't know if he knows this or not, this is a Christian group. Like, is this dude legit? Is he legit? Is he legit? If not, okay, then you go talk to him. Are y'all with me? Hey, um, like, I guess we're glad you're here. Like, are you really saved? Can you, like, show us somehow? Yeah. Paul's like, no, nah, man, don't, don't worry about it. I, uh, I, no problem. I'm just, you imagine him walking away, what's going through his mind? I'll, I'll never, I'll never, my past is always going to hang over me. I'm never going to, I can't, I'll never measure, I'll never be good, in, I'll never. Maybe it's not that radical for you, but maybe you have experienced those thoughts because you did something, you did something or something was done to you and so the enemy comes lying to you and you go to church and you hear about living a life of purpose and living a life of intentionality and living a focused life. And I put God first. Pastor, I'm telling you, I gave my heart to Christ and I keep God first in my life, first place. The word of God is first place. The Holy Spirit is first place in my life. But the problem is, Pastor Steve, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. It's not that God's not first. It's just that I'm always reminded of my past. Paul would say one of the reasons why we lack focus is because we're always looking back here. We're always looking behind us. I think in my own life, I think in my own life at times when, when, I, when, when, when the enemy wants to come and lie to me about things that I've done in my past. Yeah. How about you? You know, I love Paul. Paul didn't just re- write the book of Philippians, by the way. He wrote other things. He, um, he wrote other letters, letters that we call books. And one of those is the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I love this scripture. Paul, 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 I, I think the reason why Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we believe all scripture is inspired by God. Yes, we believe that. But God still works through the personalities of the people in which he called. And I wonder, I wonder if Paul wrote this thinking about, just for a moment, a blink. Just for a moment, I wonder if he was thinking about his past, and yet he wrote this inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote this in another letter. There is therefore now. Everyone say now. That means right now. Not in heaven one day. Now, right now. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How many are grateful that when you've been forgiven by the blood of Christ, your past really can be past you and it can be in the past. Thank God. I'm grateful for that. See, once we receive forgiveness, is three dimensions. Forgiveness we receive. Watch this. Please don't miss this. I want all of our campuses to see this. I'm talking about why we often lose focus. Number one, it's because Christ is really not first, and we get distracted by secondary impulses. Number two, it's because we often have eyes 
in the past. You know, forgiveness has three dimensions. Number one, we receive forgiveness from God. Watch this. I'm going to share a concept, and then I'll give you the third and final point. We, we receive forgiveness from God. God forgives us. Christ forgives us. We're forgiven by God. We understand that, right? If I asked for a show of hands, and, and you guys, and I said, how many understand God's forgiveness? You'd understand that, right? We were sinful. Christ died on the cross. God the Father takes 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 the righteousness of Christ, takes our sin and put it on Jesus, and he took Jesus' righteousness and put it on us. That's called the divine exchange. That's really what forgiveness is about. We should be guilty. We are guilty, but we are given his innocence, if that makes sense. Okay, so number one, forgiveness is we receive forgiveness from God. Number two, we understand forgiveness towards people. Even if you're not a Christian, we talk, the secular culture talks about forgiveness related to letting someone go, to forgive for, right? Goes before, give. You're giving something. What are you doing? You're releasing someone of their debts. That's what forgiveness is. To forgive, all right? Did you know there's a third level of forgiveness where you actually have to forgive yourself? Wow, pastor, that just lost me. What does it mean to forgive myself? It means that I've got to receive forgiveness from God. I'm giving you a practical application of how to forgive yourself. A lot of people are stuck and live distracted lives because their minds always wander behind them. How do I practically forgive myself? It's when I receive forgiveness from God, I receive it, and then I have to, listen, then I have to make a choice to let my past go. My past, that person has to stay in the past and I step into my future. Does that make sense? You've got to make a choice. That person has to be left in the past, and I step into what God has for me today. All right, number one, pastor, how do I live a focused life? We've got to put first, everybody say first things first. Number two, we've got to forgive and forget. Let the past go. Let me give you the third and final thing, and we'll close. Here we go. The third and final thing that I see here is that we've got to learn to focus on the finish line. Focus on the finish line. I love this verse, Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Now, you've got to understand the day in which Paul wrote this. Paul was writing this in Rome under house arrest by the elite Roman guard. He's writing it to Philippi, which would be in modern-day Greece. So he understands that the Bible was written. Listen, the Bible was written. This is so important that you guys understand this with what's called a Greco-Greece-Roman understanding of culture, meaning that the Olympic Games had already started. A lot of the scriptures written with an agricultural mindset, right? Particularly the Old Testament, but a lot in the New Testament. Jesus is talking about the seed and the sower. So Paul uses a metaphor inspired by the Holy Spirit that all those people in the Philippi would know because the Olympic Games had already started. I want you to think about this. In light of that, here's what he says. Paul says in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I always love, matter of fact, there was a big race yesterday. I saw it on Saturday. There was a, I don't know exactly what the competition was, but I was flipping through the channel and this one guy blew up a record. I don't know if y'all saw that. And it's always interesting to see. Nobody goes to the, have you guys ever noticed that when you really look at a world-class sprinter, nobody like does this. You know, they're running, great form, 
you know, just really powerful form. I used to have it. But anyway, so that nobody, nobody gets to the finish line and kind of goes. Y'all realize that, right? What, What do they do? They get to the finish line, and they're just rolling like this. They're just rolling. What do they do? Come on. They do this. They, they stick out their what? Their, they, 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 I got to watch that. I've gained some weight. But anyway, so I have. I really have. Y'all saw that? A button went, see you, Jesus. But anyway, so praise God. But anyway, so um, what was I saying? Oh, the race, the race. Yeah. So here's the point. Here's the point. The concept, the concept is to stretch through the tape. How many people give up right before the tape? They give up. Paul says, I press. Everyone say, press. That's that pressing. That's that. It's, you're sticking your It's, I press. Maybe you're believing God for something in your life. Maybe it's a relationship to come around. Maybe it's a financial deal. You started a business. You know God spoke to you. It didn't work the way you thought. And you think, man, I'm just going to give it up. Wait, wait, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Be careful. You know what I found? Oh, by the way, you know what I found? Oftentimes, right before the breakthrough, people give up. They give up. See, living a focused life is not just about, listen, it's not just about putting God first. It's not just about making peace with your past, but it's about crossing the finish line. Busting through the tape. uh, The word press means to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing. To run after, to press on, to reach the goal. Hebrews chapter 10, my last scripture. It says, therefore, do not cast away. The writer says, do not cast away your confidence. How many people have cast away? They've been believing God for something in their life. They've been standing on the promise of God. They're believing God for something to change in their life. They're trusting. They've got a promise. They're they're believing God. Maybe it's in the realm of their health or in their mind psychologically or for a family relationship to to change or something to come together that's estranged or, or, or maybe it's in your business. Whatever it is, here's what the writer says. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so after you've done the will of God, after you've pressed through, you've received the promise. And by the way, pressing through the tape is not just going to heaven. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about receiving the promise, seeing the manifestation of what you believe in God for. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand. I've got two minutes. I wanna read something to you guys. This is one of the most powerful stories. I was, as I was finishing up this message this week, I... I was reminded of this story that I heard years ago. It's a true story. And it says this. I want everybody to stay with me for two minutes. It says this. There's a story about a man named Darby who was caught by the gold fever in the gold rush days and went to West to dig. It's a true story. He staked a claim and he went to work with his pick and shovel. The going was hard, but he drove. He made the drive. And, and, and the drive for gold was definite. It was, he, he really felt this was his, his thing. And after much labor, he was rewarded by the discovery of the shining ore. He needed machinery to bring the ore to the surface quietly. He covered up the mine. He retraced his footsteps back to Williamsburg, Maryland. That's where he's from. 
And he told his relatives and a few neighbors of the strike. They got together money for the needed machinery and they had it shipped. The uncle and Darby, well, they went back to the mine. The first car of ore was mined and shipped to the smelter. That's what it's called. And the returns proved that they had one of the richest mines in Colorado. A few more cars, and that would clear them of all of their debts that were accrued as they were buying equipment. Down went the drills. Up went Darby's hopes. Then something happened. The vein of gold, well, it disappeared. They'd come to the end of the rainbow, and the pot of gold was no longer there. They drilled on, desperately trying to pick up the vein again, all to no avail. Finally, finally they quit. And they sold the machinery to a junk man for a few hundred dollars, and they took the train back home. This junk man called in a mining engineer to look at the mine and do a little calculating. The engineer advised that the project had failed because the owners were not familiar with the fault lines. Listen to this. His calculations showed that the vein would have been found in just three feet from where the Darbys had stopped drilling. Three feet. The junk man took the equipment, started drilling, and struck gold again. It's one of the most famous or true stories. Some of you may have heard it, but I began to think about three feet away. They drove thousands of miles from Maryland. They did all of that work, but they stopped right there. Listen to me. I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses. Don't stop right before the promise comes to pass. Don't stop right before you see that happen in the life of that kid or the, that relationship or, or, or whatever it is. You're fighting that addiction. How many times we, we, we're, we're, we're believing God and we're in recovery groups and we're doing all the things we need to do, but it's tough and it is tough at times. But don't give up. Stay in the game. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Why? Because, listen, you're only three feet away. Don't stop sharing Christ with your friend. Don't stop sharing Christ with your, your neighbor or your relative that thinks you're crazy. Why? Because how many times was Christ shared with you before, before you gave your heart to Christ? Keep sowing the seed. Keep believing God. Pastor, how do I live a focused life? Number one, I got to keep God first. Number two, I got to make peace with my past. But number three, I got to break, I got I to push through the tape. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Just stay with me for one minute. If you're in this place today, back to that first point, you've never really made peace with God. You say, Pastor, you know what? I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not even sure if I die today. I'm ready to stand before God. I want to pray for you. The Bible, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. It's not about joining our church. It's, it's not about, that's not what it's about. It's about saying yes to Christ. 31 years ago, when I was 19 years old, I was a freshman in college at Tulane University. I said yes to Jesus. October 27, 1987, I said, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I'm telling you, Jesus, by his spirit, number one, I became, I was forgiven of my sin, but number two, he gave me the gift of his spirit. Holy Spirit of God came to live in my heart. You can have that today too. Do you know Christ? I'm asking you that. Lovingly, but confidently, do you know Christ? The Bible says whoever calls upon that name, the most powerful name in the universe, the name of Jesus shall be saved. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up. I say, Pastor, I need Jesus. If that's you, I need the blood of Christ to wash me and to cleanse me. If that's you, one, 
two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high so I can say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you up front. God bless you, sir. Anybody else, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you guys up top. Anybody else? God bless you, sir, as well. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Is there anybody else? God bless you, buddy, right there. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. Church, with our heads bowed and eyes, can we pray with those that are trusting Christ? Come on, let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me. If you prayed and trusted Christ at all of our campuses, there's a card behind your chair called My Decision. I'm asking you to fill it out. You do one of two things. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down right now. You can give it up front or people with blue t-shirts in the commons of all of uh, our campuses. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. Lord, teach us what it means to put you first, to live a focused life. I bless my friends as they go forth in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said...